I still have a very superstitious approach to creativity. I think that there's something preordained about things that happen creatively. And I think there's something about the timing that is you have no control over. Hi, I'm Jordan Syme from the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod. This podcast has been underwritten by the following supporters. William Ravis, the official real estate office of the Arts Foundation. The Cape Cod Foundation, Mass Hire, the Cooperative Bank of Cape Cod, the Melody Tent, and the John K. and Thurza F. Davenport Foundation. Hi there, this is Julie Wake, the Executive Director of the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod. Welcome to the Creative Exchange Season 4 podcast. Today in the studio, I had the opportunity to interview artist Joe Hay and musician Jonathan Brooke. Jonathan Brooke has been writing songs, making records, and touring since the early 90s. After four major label releases, she started her own independent label, Bad Dog Records, in 1999, and has since released 10 more albums, including the companion CD to her critically acclaimed one-woman off-Broadway musical, My Mother Has Four Noses. Jonathan has co-written and produced songs with Katy Perry, The Courtyard Hounds, and Jessica Simpson. She's also written for four Disney films, numerous television shows, and she composed and performed the theme song for Josh Whedon's Dollhouse. Joe Hay, who also joins us, was recently announced the Arts Foundation's inaugural Artist of the Year 2022. Joe Hay is a contemporary British-American portrait painter Born in 1964 in Newcastle, England, Joe was a subject of the documentary She is Juiced by British director Lois Norman. It was screened at Tate Modern in 2017 as part of the groundbreaking Queer Britain exhibition and the London Pride launch of 2017. In 2017, Hay began the ongoing project titled Persisters. It's a large-scale portrait painting, paintings representing contemporary, trailblazing women in their pursuit of justice. In 2019, a solo exhibition of the Persisters series was shown at the Provincetown Commons. Her portraits of Senator Elizabeth Warren and Vice President Kamala Harris were exhibited in the Provincetown Art Association and Museum in 2020 and 2021, respectively. Joe currently lives and works in Provincetown, Mass. In this conversation with Joe and Jonathan, who happen to be very close friends, we talked about so many facets of being an artist, such as building confidence, exploring content that drives the passion for the work, being fearless, creating the edge, and authentic discussion around the impact of COVID, privilege, climate change, and even aging. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So when I approached Joe for this position today, I said, you know, we're doing, I have this idea. I think it would be really cool to do conversations artist to artist. And she said, I know exactly who I want to talk to. And I said, who? I mean, we're talking seconds. She said, Jonathan Brooke. And I went, oh my God, I love Jonathan because I saw that you followed her on Instagram. You guys were friends. And so I started to follow Jonathan as well and did a little stalking. And I 
I started to notice that you guys were seriously friends. And um, so it was so exciting when you said that. And I said, do you think you can get her? And what did you say? I'll ask her. And she said, yes, immediately. <laughs> yeah, it well, was great. I'm obsessed with Joe Hay. I know, uh-huh. right? Well, it's Mutual right. Admiration Society, definitely. Yes. And I so- own an original goat oh, of Joe so Hay. Lucky. Yeah, I do. The original goat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <gasps> we have to get a picture yeah. of that so we can share that. Okay. okay. So Joe, why why Jonathan? Well, I think my relationship with Jonathan goes back quite a long way now cuz you know, we're getting a little older these days. <laughs> um, but it was in the 90s I heard accidentally I heard her music when I was waiting to leave a theater that for some reason it was it took us ages to get out and the sound guy was playing all sorts of different music. But half an hour into waiting to get out of the place, he played Made of Gold. And I was just absolutely enraptured by this song and, and who it was. And I went running down and I spoke to him and I said, who's this? What's what's happening? Who's who's playing? Where? Where? How can I get hold of it? And he said, it's Jonathan Brooke. She used to play with the story, but she's releasing her own album and it's coming out, I think, this week. That's my memory of it. We're, you know, mm-hmm. we're talking a long time now. So I ran out the next day and I bought Plum. And I'm not sure when in the sequence of Jonathan's producing music, I bought 10 Cent Wings after it. And I played those two albums to death. I probably played it for everybody I know. And I said, can you listen to this? Can you hear what I'm hearing? I don't think they could because I know that I was hearing in my experience, it, it felt like a, a portal to another way of looking at life and experiencing life. And that's the only way I could put it. It was just magical. And I listened to it over and over, trying to deconstruct it, trying to find out where the magic was. Mm. And I would go and see her play. And after occasionally I would chat to her and sort of look at her and think, where, where is it? Where does it reside in her? Until eventually we came together through a, a, a mutual friend who had a gallery and we happened to be in the same place at the same time. And we, spoke for longer and then since then we've seen each other more and I've watched her play more and we've just developed this great friendship and I've been able to ask that question I mean my first question to her was like do you know how good you are can you do you do you understand that yeah like does it do you feel that in yourself and then my next question is like how do you do it how how do you make this music Mm -hmm. that has that effect on me and I know it has something similar on other people Mm -hmm. Um, especially the people that I know that I see in her, audi- in her audience. Like there's, there's mm. definitely a, a common thread. I, I, I can't describe it further than that, but I, mm-hmm. I feel it from them. But my experience is just exactly what I said. It just it literally changed my life and I've spent the rest of the time listening to it over and over again and never bored, never get bored mm-hmm. with it, mm-hmm. trying to find the answer to that question. <gasps> wow. Well, you know, since... Let's let's introduce Jonathan now. I know I'm she's just actually at the here because I have those same you know I had those original same questions for Joe like how the hell do you do this? Why am I crying? Do you know how remarkable you are? Thank you for being here. <laughs> I, we have so much to talk about. So I love um, you know this is an informal conversation, but I I just your background is so impressive that we have to to share that. So thank you for being here. You mean my, my background is a cleaning lady? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just actually reading this book. Um, I don't know if you're a fan of Lucia Berlin, but mm. 
And I thought, well, that mm-hmm. I bought it for the title. <laughs> so in the store, it's like I love the book cover. Cleaning Women by Lucia Berlin. Oh, um, interesting. What yeah. motivated you to read that, Jonathan? Oh, I'm an avid. I'm obsessed with books and great writing, and mm. that's my. That's often the juice that will spur the song. And yeah, and I also read that you teach a master's class in songwriting. I do. I teach many of them. And so. Tell us, <laughs> you know, the two of you getting together is very interesting to me because Joe is a portrait artist, painter, classically trained, right? Would you say classically trained? Uh, yes, it, not in a in the sort of stuffy sense of it, because this yeah. certainly was um, the the school was about learning every technique you could get your hands on, and then yes. pushing it into a sort of a contemporary dialogue. Yeah. So yes, but, but yes, there was a lot of technical yeah. um, training. And Jonathan, what about? Can you tell us a little bit about your like background? And I, I heard no I heard training. you were a dancer. I was a dancer. I am more trained as a modern dancer as a as a. Well, I started with ballet when I was six, and when we the family moved to London, my dad was a journalist. So, in some ways, I am more qualified to be a dancer. I am really, really highly trained. <laughs> I am not trained at all in music and I sort of made it up as I went along. And that's how, and that's one of the things that I talk about a lot in my workshops is that for better, for worse, whether you're trained or not, you are the product of your own limitations and, or that become strengths. So for Mm -hmm. me, not having been trained has become a signature, not having had guitar lessons has become the reason I compose the way I do, the reason I tune my strings on the guitar the way I do, because I was just looking for sounds that I heard in my particular brain world. And I found them by tuning my guitar differently. And I found a way of composing for my particular voice, my limitations as a singer. And that became the way I sound. And I think it's unique to me for those reasons. And I think we we all, trained or not, we, we start out, imitating the things that we are obsessed with and love. And then little by little, that sort of gets melded into our DNA and our our outlook. And then hopefully we work at it hard enough that it becomes our own sound, our own way of seeing things and way of singing things. And we don't sound like the person that inspired us originally. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree with that in the same process for painting. I think in my development, because I did similarly to you, I sort of spent most of my, well, 20s and 30s and halfway through my 40s before I went to grad school. So I was what I felt like bumbling around trying to find how to paint. And I think in the end, what grad school actually taught me was about what to paint. I'd spent enough time actually practicing it, but I just I didn't trust myself until I went to grad school and got the, the light shone in all the corners that I thought I was missing. And I realized, no, it was, it's, it's not the technique that I've been just, you know, I've got to do another one, another one to get better and better. It's the content. It's what, what do I now do with this practice of painting? How do I, mm. how do I make it into something? And it gave me the, it gave me the courage, I guess, to, to say enough, enough of being the student. And now you have to be the painter mm. and or the teacher mm. occasionally. But I want to I want to say something else about that. Uh, it's something that is 
I still have a very superstitious approach to creativity. I think that there's something preordained about things that happen creatively. And I think there's something about the timing that is you have no control over. Yes, there. <laughs> I do try to be disciplined, but I'm terrible at it. And songs come when they come. And I think that the whole fact of my becoming a songwriter, you know, late, I was also sort of late to the game in a way, but there was all this stuff compiling. There was this body of other things that all contributed and became composite into the way I tell the stories when I write a song. So I'm, I'm, I think that's kind of what Joe's saying. Like, so I had all of this dance training and I went to college, even though I really wanted to stay in New York and keep dancing. I went to college and I got a degree in English literature. So, and my, my whole family are writers and teachers. So the word, you know, the written word is sacred in our household. So that was this whole melange of, yes, you can be a dancer, but you still must study. You still must go to college. You still must form sentences creatively and well and and speak diligently. And so I had all of this swirling obsession. There was this movement and um, being someone else's clay was just so exciting to me as a physical being, as a dancer. But there was also these words. And then all of a sudden I took this composition course in college where I was the boss of creating a new song. And it was just being, it was like being struck by lightning. So all of that stuff compiled into like, wait a minute, I can write, I can write songs and I can add all the weird harmonies that I've been singing along to James Taylor and Neil Young and Loggins and Messina all these years. I can be the boss of my own songs. And then that, that became this thing that again, like it is the signature of why and how I do the thing I do. And so I guess my question for Joe is like, okay, so you had all this training, you had this stuff and it was swirling, whatever. And then like, how did you figure out the oil? How did you figure out these portraits, man? Like with the color and the shadow and the, it's just insane. Oh. <laughs> well, I could say the same thing to you actually, because it just feels like it's that elusive thing that I can't, it doesn't matter how many times I listen to your music, I cannot figure out I mean, to just say how you do it is so clumsy. It's not even about how you do it. It's how how it has the effect on me that it has. Mm. One thing that I did notice, or and I think you and I have spoken about this, or I've, I've tried to tell you about it, uh, is that I would always say in those years in the 90s and the early whatever's after the 90s, um, when I was drenched in those two albums, if I could only paint the way Jonathan constructs music and sings, if I could just that, that, that it's, it's coming out perfectly. Like you, to me, you, you appeared in my life fully formed. I haven't heard you get better and I haven't heard you get worse. You've been just this consistent, uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to put another word against that because it feels like it's, you're, you're just beautifully consistent in, in your sound. And that's what it felt like that you just arrived as that. Maybe you didn't listen to Grace and Gravity. <laughs> I, well, I did. I did actually. I I have it, and you're right. I didn't listen to it as much as the other as as Angel in the House. And fully formed. <laughs> but 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 still, it was. But it has its moments. It, yes. It's it, yes, and it's still it's still extraordinarily. Um, it's complex for sure. Yes, and 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 well put together like that. I'm blundering and stumbling for for language now. Um, 
I just thought it was a sound that I didn't, it didn't move me in the way the next albums did. I didn't think, oh, she's less on this album. Hmm. But there was another part in there that I was going to talk to you about. Um, well, I wanted to um, speak to your, I wanted to speak to your mentioning of Made of Gold. <sighs> because I think that this may speak to Julie's idea of the synchronicity of different creatives and and the inspiration that spills from one discipline to another. And I rely on that. And I imagine that you do too, Joe, that mm. because there is so much to be inspired by in great writing for me and and great painting. And, and songs have been written about so many paintings. And for me, my, my biggest influence is poetry and great writing. And so Made of Gold was inspired. My Like so many songs have been inspired by Sharon Olds, the poet Sharon Olds, who I have always been obsessed with since the early, early days of, of my writing. And so Made of Gold was inspired by a poem of hers called The Girl. Mm. And it's in one of her earliest books called The Gold Cell. I got a bunch of songs out of that. Good. <laughs> out That's of that great. book. Man, I, I think Amelia came out of that book. Uh, the Angel in the House was certainly inspired by uh, Sharon Old's poems. And The Girl was directly inspired, uh, mm. did, did directly inspire Made of Gold. Mm. One one thing that I want to just say before I forget about it too, in that realm of analyzing your work to to understand where the the essence of it lay and how you, which I, I don't think you can. I think that's the that's the art. That's the, that that is the magic of it. But I I wanted to, I just couldn't get enough of it. When I did look at it in terms of painting, mm. and again, you and I have said, or I've said this to you, to me, a successful painting has a lot to do with the edges in the work, like how one piece of paint comes against another piece. Often, I think part of the the craft of of a painting, it, how how well crafted it is, and you, your edges to me, your whether that's the transition from you know simply from the verse to the chorus, or but it can just be from one note to the next. That your edges are fabulous always, yeah. and that's that's I think maybe that's one area of great joy for me that I just listening to you move from one passage to another it's always considered it's never overdone and it's it's never I never go oh god I wish you'd done something else it's, I'm always nicely <laughs> surprised it's just there's obviously something about how you make your work that just really works for my ear Maybe that's why I respond to your painting because maybe you do have this fearlessness about the 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 dissonance of things that that are pushing against one another, the colors that push against one another, and they successfully create an edge. And it and it's it's so brave. Like I think that like your persisters are so it you are just so fearless in the way you push those edges of the colors against one another. And I think that that's what I love about creating vocal parts and and creating music is like pushing those pushing notes against one another yes that can be really uncomfortable and then can resolve or not like I'm so not afraid of holding a minor second against each other you know like two notes against one another with especially with like two chick vocals is like there's nothing more satisfying than rubbing two notes together that then 
you hold a little longer than is comfortable and then you resolve it. And I think that you do that with paint and that's, maybe that's what it is. You, you put your finger on it. It's like, you are not afraid of dissonance. And you know, that's how I would describe it musically. Mm. And Mm. like, you're not afraid of whatever the correlative would be painterly. Mm. I think that's maybe right. There is, there's definitely a correlation between when I think of, because for, for me, a painting needs to be complete. Like there, there can be sort of shoddy painting in it, but it has to be um, purposeful shoddy painting against, <laughs> against not shoddy painting against like low it, rent. It can't be <laughs> just just a bit just a bit sort of yeah, bit bit not as well considered as it should have been. But it needs to be there because it allows the other bits to shine or it does, you know, whatever, whatever else it does to the whole. But it's, it's again, something that you had said a while ago, I heard, and that was, so, oh yeah, that's, I see that too. You like complexity and I do too. Like I need, there needs to be layers of what's going on. If the paint is all the same, it's not, I'm not happy. If the brushstroke is all the same, I'm not happy. If the colors are working harmoniously, I'm not happy. There has to yes. be, as you said, that dissonance, that kind of, and all of those pieces together make the whole, but it's the, it's the wrangling and getting them all to sit, to sit still in the right place. Cause if they're not in the right place, it all goes to hell. Yeah. And then yeah. like to have done enough of it at some point that your instinct surprises you I mean that's yes. I think that's yeah. the great thing about surviving this long and being old is yeah <laughs> to now be able to trust your ins like the one thing okay there's shitty stuff about being old but well again like, that's sort of relative okay so we're not so old but the, there, there's that thing that kicks in which I'm so grateful for these days of there's just an instinct you've done this long enough you've done your 10,000 hours or whatever Malcolm Gladwell calls it and you will throw that hideous green down and it can kill, it kills it. Like it's the thing, it's the yeah. green and you're, and you, you know, part of you is like, wow, that's a hideous green. And then the, and then you see it and you're like, damn, I'm good. You know, like that, I nailed it, nailed it. Mm-hmm. And that happens once in a while, you know, not often enough, but it happens once in a while with, with composing, you know, where there's they're like, wait a minute, I can't do that. That's like, Mm, it's a little cringy. And then you're like, no, it's not. It's awesome. (laughs) I win. Yeah, that's it. Definitely. Mm -hmm. You know, since we're talking about dissonance and and complexity and and those types of things, I'm curious, you know, you're both very um, socially conscious. You're both have pretty strong voices in, you know, kind of the world through your art. You know, what's been kind of the, I mean, Persisters is kind of the the big project that you've been working on, but like, how is what's going on in the world influencing, you know, how you make decisions with your work? Over to you, Jonathan, first. Well, I do feel a great sadness and, and I some do, I sometimes, I sometimes feel a little immobilized by the fear of how long this strange trough in our particular experiment will last, that things will not get better socially, politically for a very, very long time. And I have less and less 
say and effect on it. I don't have a huge platform. I, I do what I can. I write what I can. Uh, but I do feel a great sadness. And I'm not sure how to fix it. I think that globally we've come through an incredible trauma. Mm. You know, that has touched everyone. And that's kind of unprecedented. You know, that every single person has been affected by this pandemic. Um, and my sadness is that it, that more good could not have come out of it. That more change couldn't have come out of it. And I, I do feel a responsibility, but also a, a helplessness. And all I can do is kind of write my way out of it, I guess. I feel, I, I, you, did I just jump in there? No, go ahead. I, yeah, and I feel I'm I'm sad that I feel that way. I'm sad that I'm not more like, no, we can do this. Let's get out there. We gotta, you know, we gotta kick some ass now. Like this is our call to whatever. And it just feels like, oh my god, I freaking give up. Like there is no way to reach a certain amount of the population that is not interested in in facts or details of or science or or even like common sense or or decency or manners. I would wholeheartedly agree with that both in the description of what's affecting you and how it's affecting your work too I think added to that which I know you'll agree with this climate change thing it just feels like there's such a weight with, with everything and how to how to pierce that or you know hopefully not just pierce it but tear it open and with hope and good things and you know it seems almost impossible it seems it, it, the the blanket feels just you know like it's it, it's weighing down everything and I feel like Jonathan I feel like I don't know how to paint a series of portraits how that's effective anymore I don't know I don't know if it has enough and I don't know what enough is and this it's enough seems to be so vast mm -hmm. and I I can't make it happen mm. Mm. but there's that's also not a certain I'm sorry there's a certain privilege to the worry in a way it's I mean it's a strange oxymoron but like there's a privilege to like well I can get an electric car I'm I'm not gonna create you know I'm not gonna use any plastic in my household I will I will not throw anything away that doesn't need to be thrown away I will do all these things and you know then feel virtuous about it but there's how much of the population doesn't even have those choices and what effect will that have really and how, you know how do you how do you affect the greater good the the global good how do you as a tiny singer songwriter somewhere have more of an impact and that it's 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 very it's, it's very frustrating and and also I feel I I definitely feel my privilege like I'm not being affected necessarily yet so many people are. Yeah. Mm. Do you think we should speak slightly positively, more positively about this also? Because I know I'll get, I'll get hold <laughs> over the polls for saying I'm not going to paint portraits any get anymore. Well, um, I was going to say that. So, yeah, no more painting. No more painting. Until we stop climate change. Yeah, can we just, it, it can I just say a slightly more positive? Yeah, it is a daunt, it's a daunting subject, right? Yeah, and I, it's, I'll speak dauntingly, but the, not that a, I'm going to give up and lie in a hole. It, well, it's, I'm giving up. Yes. <laughs> I'm coming to your house to decorate it. That's going to be the new colors. We're going to paint. We're going to yeah. paint my house and that's going to solve everything. Yes. 
Well, I think, you know, it, it is, a, it's such a daunting subject, but it's interesting um, to hear artists kind of um, digest what's happening. And I also feel that the arts as a whole, as a sector, are one of the most trusted sources of information. Um, and we see that through trends. Like we, we're seeing it, we're learning more about it, that, the, that our communities locally and nationally, um, many of them look towards the arts for connection, for healing, for understanding how to translate difficult information. And I think as daunting as it is as artists and how you feel like you're not making an impact, I just want to say that you are um, just in the fact of what you do every day and how you're processing information. It's really important to the rest of us to see you continue to do the work. So um, I just want to kind of like yes. remind you both that the work you do is incredibly important to all of us. And, um, and I understand that how daunting it all feels though, too, as a, also a community member and feeling, you know, I have two little kids and I'm like, what's going to happen to them? Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. so, but you know, bit by bit, it's these connections like today that we make that fill our souls and keep us going. And, you know, what were you going to say, Joe? You look like you have something on your mind. Oh, do I know? I just, <laughs> I just feel like I should be slightly more positive about that because I, I, I mm. do feel that weight, but I, at the same time, the half of me that, you know, that this is what I do, but also I don't want to be a giver upper either, but it mm. is, it is, um, it is heavier than ever the the idea of of how to how to make work at this time, and I think what Jonathan said was also mm-hmm. part of that reasoning for me is like, should I be spending my time doing this? Like, should I not be spending my time figuring out how we're going to keep the climate under control? Um, I can, I you know, I'm sure I can do probably both, uh, but mm-hmm. yes. Well, also, you, I mean, you guys are you guys are just geographically front more front line. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so let's switch. Manager. I'm going to switch gears. Yes. I'm going to switch gears. Yeah. Get us out of the gloom. <laughs> let's talk about Disney. No, I'm just kidding. You can edit all the gloom out, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think, you know, I think, Jonathan, you said it earlier is that we're all traumatized, even though like we might, like we do have the privilege. I definitely feel mm-hmm. like you know, I I have to leave work at a certain time every day now to pick up my kids because there's no aftercare. And it's like, I can do it where I know other women can't. So it, it weighs heavy on me and I, I feel grateful. I feel um, frustrated, but it's like, you know, trying to do the little, the little bits um, that we can. So I'm going to switch gears and I'm curious, you know, we were talking about kind of like, we're established, we're producing, we're, you know, looking at the edges of our work and the complexities. But tell me about a time when you, like, Jonathan, like you were talking about how, you know, writing and education, very critical to the process of who you are today. But like, where'd your voice come from? All of a sudden, like, 
your singing. Great question. And, and were you like, oh my God, I know how to sing too. <laughs> like lucky. <laughs> yes. No, not, I mean, is, the, is that the end of the question? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> well, often people don't believe me when I tell them this, but my early singing was was really weak, was really awful. And I was always in the choir. I always had really good pitch. I could always sing in tune. And I, you know, I was in the, I had a rock band in eighth grade. I I was in the school choir. I was in the acapella group at Amherst College. I was in that choir. I had a rock band in college called The Remains. And I toured with a top 40 band to make money on the weekends called The Transformers. But I was not a good singer. And I would argue that I'm still learning how to sing consistently. And and, and I am actually loving getting older and, and having this richer, lower register as well as so far my high notes are still there too. But early on, I I actually, if you heard, if you heard me singing in college, you would you would, my husband, I played him some stuff from, <laughs> from concert to college. He was like, you were awful. You were just, that is wow. terrible. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and it's true. And, and I, I really am, I was late to the game. I could, I didn't figure out how to sort of sing with power until very late in the game, you know, early story days, you know, early early 90s mm. I some somehow I had convinced myself that you have to sing in this head voice thing if you have to sing with this voice and you have to just bring it lower and I don't I don't know where I got that idea but so I never realized that I had this kind of chest voice that I could like that could rock harder that could could sing harder and push further and that that would add stakes to the compositions you know to push your this lower chesty voice. I see I'm, I'm completely untrained. So I'm making words up here, but like to, this chest <laughs> voice that I consider a more rocking, pow- more powerful voice to push it to an edge, like, like the colors again, to, to an edge creates such exciting stakes as a composer, like to push a voice, you know, right to its limits. That's what I want to hear. And that's what I want to write because it is, powerful way of getting your point across and so when I teach songwriting I talk about that I talk about like where is your money note where is the edge of your range what word are you going to put on that note to give it stakes I want consequence I want to feel like you're going to lose your shit if you don't get this note and this word out in time to get to the end of the bar and those are all things that I that excite me. I still have chills about like, that is exciting. And that's what excites me about other composers that, that have that same feeling, that same passion. And um, so that's how I have learned to sing, really. That's how I've found my voice is kind of finding that edge between the, the top of that particular range and then the vulnerability that I find in the higher notes, the breathier notes. And there's, there's stakes in that too. There's stakes in pushing that lower voice to a to an edge and then letting it release into a higher voice that brings a vulnerability to the storytelling. How about you? I can't sing. <laughs> yes, you can. No, I can't. You we're don't know go yet. We're going on tour. We're going, we're going on tour. Yeah, Joe's, we're, we're a, Joe's a drummer, actually. And so we're going to 
compile our skills, maybe there maybe there should be like spontaneous painting at gigs as well as spontaneous drumming and singing. Mm. But like we could we could be the mm-hmm. band, but we could also have like arts and crafts after the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Don't make me. Yeah, don't so make fun. us do that. <laughs> I just want to be in the back with the snacks. <laughs> oh, dear. But Joe, but, when when is your early memory of being like, wow, I'm, I, I live with an artist, mm-hmm. my 13-year-old, and I have watched her identify now like, oh, I'm, I'm good at this. Oh, that's great. It's fascinating and that's why you know I'm, I'm thinking about like how do you two like how I mean you're really good oh that, that's, <laughs> that's very very sweet but I I didn't I, I guess I don't see it in those terms and I didn't ever I didn't identify as an artist like say oh I am an artist I knew I wanted to paint yeah I think two reasons in England you would never consider yourself an artist it's just far too superior to think I am an artist um my partner made my Instagram name, Joe Hay Artist, and I cringed for the first three years about it. And I kept saying, okay, Prince called himself the artist. Just go with it. Go with it. If, you know, you have to do that. You have to be the artist. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, so for that reason, I've just been myself learning to paint. Yeah. I was never, I never didn't think of myself as an artist. I'm thrilled that she sees that she's good at it now. I, yeah. I still don't think that I'm good at it, but I know that I trust myself now. Mm-hmm. I know that I can make a complete painting mm-hmm. and I'm fearful of, of, you know, labeling anything that I do as good, bad, or indifferent mm-hmm. for fear of resting on one's laurels. So I have oh. to just, mm-hmm. I have to just keep going at it as uh, sort of continuing the story of what I'm trying to say. And um, yeah, that's pr- mm. probably about it, really. Did, did I answer the question? I think so. Who knows? I want to ask about your 13 year old daughter, and I want to talk about that time of life which for me was so fraught and so terrifying and I was so insecure and did not have that feeling of like I'm a badass I I'm great I'm really great at this I didn't have that about anything at that age and I so I commend you as a mom Mm. to have created a 13 year old that's like I'm freaking great at this and I'm (laughs) and that I that just gives that gives me hope (laughs) You know, I, I look at her and I say, I, I think, you know, here's the future of women and uh, women that have something to say. And um, I don't know, you know, I, I wish I could take all the credit, um, but she she's one of the nicest people I know. Mm, and yeah, and she's um, private and somewhat introverted and doesn't really care about sharing everything in her head, but it goes through her hand. So it's her head, her heart, and her hand that gets out yeah. is what I'm observing. And Jonathan, I'm with you. Like, I'm totally fascinated by her because she doesn't consider herself popular. She considers herself an artist. And that is how she is identified and identifying herself. I think um, this younger generation, especially a younger generation of artists, definitely feeling that they do have a strong voice and they have to participate in a certain way. And so it's, it's just, I don't really know. Like, it's really interesting to watch. And I, I, I mean, she's not this overconfident, high energy person. She's this 
she's comfortable. She's got this Fabulous. comfort Sounds in herself. Perfect balance. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hope that it, you know, next year she doesn't want to, you know, key my car because <laughs> right. I say no to something. <laughs> Who knows? But some, for some people, I'm like, she's still talking to you. That's. <laughs> that's <laughs> I know. I feel very yeah. lucky. Well, let's hope my son, you know, let's hope my son follows in her footsteps. But so I do think it's a, probably a good, you know, time to, to wrap up. I could talk to you both all day. It's so interesting. And I think that I hope to see some sort of collaborative effort, you know, some inspiration between the two of you, Spark, I, I think could be an amazing follow-up to this. You know, how artists collaborate across um, mediums would be very interesting. Um, so, I mean, any parting words from either one of you? Jonathan, where are you today? I'm in my room in Minneapolis. I have the little third floor room in our house that we bought in 2016. And it's it's actually warm now because mm. we insulated it. <laughs> so the first couple <laughs> of years were a little rough, but now it's toasty warm because heat rises. Mm. And this is where I do all my stuff, all my writing and my mm. streaming and spinning. Spinning. I love it. Well, we are at the Cultural Center here in Yarmouth at their recording studio. At Yarmouth. Isn't it Yarmouth? Or is it South Yarmouth? Are we in South, South Yarmouth? Yarmouth? Julian, he doesn't know either. We're somewhere in Yarmouth on Cape Cod and <laughs> Cape Cod. Cape Cod. And um, I'm just, you know, it's, it's like a beautiful fall day today. And mm. I just want to thank you both for the time and what you do for us as a community, um, as artists, and uh, continue to grow and speak your minds and it will be exciting to see um the future what the future holds with both of you so maybe we need thank to you. collaborate with your daughter oh yeah i'll bring her down oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah yeah that could, be a, that could be a cool thing like pass the baton oh she would go mental that would be awesome i show her your work all the time she's like layers you have to hear that. have to hear that well, there's yeah. a the maestro here. Yeah, the units that you got to read the layers. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I'm not yet done with my changes. <laughs> Are we allowed to hear a note or two or no? Ooh. <clears throat> not no forcing because I know it's, it's up to not. Julian. Up to Julian. Can, he might be she... bored out of his skull. He said keep he's, going. He's going. He's going. Yeah, thumbs up. Do you want to play something for us? Um, no, no pressure. No pressure. Well, if it sucks, you can just delete it, right? We don't want, yeah. It sucks. It never sucks. We might even open with this. Oh, well, it might sound better if you have something that's actually produced and recorded. But <laughs> <laughs> Julian's saying no, and he's a musician, and he knows. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. <laughs>
telling your lies, and then you carry on, carry on, carry on. You carry on, carry on, carry on. No matter done you wrong, carry on. And you put the gun down. That was amazing. <sighs> amazing. Thank you for that. Oh my God. Yes. Like chills. Thank, yes. Oh, thank good. you. Thank you. Thank you both so much for being here. Oh, thank you. It's such a pleasure and what a wonderful conversation. I think it's really important to go mingle. Creative Exchange Podcast is a collaboration between the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod and the Cultural Center of Cape Cod in South Yarmouth. Hosted by Arts Foundation's Executive Director, Julie Wake, and produced and edited by Julie and Lloyda at the Cultural Center, the series is an ode to the artistic process and its unique manifestation on Cape Cod and beyond. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.